The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The world we live in has become a crazy place. Poverty is at an all-time high in the wealthiest nation on earth. We keep calling on government to save us with new programs, and we now have more people using food stamps than any time in our history. Keep seeking the answer to poverty through government, and the problem will continue to get worse. The answer to poverty is in our homes, churches, and communities, not in Washington or any state's capital. The long-term success of our country will come through our children if we teach them perseverance, humility, honor, character, hope, and love. And love will lead to action. This is The Mickey Allison Show. How we raise our children today will be our legacy for good or evil. Let's change the world. Now, here is Mickey Ellison. Good morning and welcome to The Mickey Ellison Show. Um, Man, that introduction is really long, Um, but maybe we need to shorten that up one day. But anyway, hey, this week... Before I get started and introduce our guest, I, I, I'm going to go on a rant a little bit. I don't know that you guys that listen to the show or if you're new to the show, I, I'm a guest once a week, and it happens to be on Wednesdays as well on a local political talk show, which is just awful. It it, 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 it sounded like fun when I started to go. Actually, I do have fun with it because it, it, uh, uh, it lets me do some things. But, you know, it, it kind of reminds me um, uh, uh, of – What's wrong with our country right now? We think by, by electing Democrats and Republicans that we're going to we're going to change the world. What changes the world? Actually, I'm going to back up. Think of I grew up in the southeast, and those of you that are 43, which is I, I am today, if you remember Mid Atlantic Wrestling, um, Ricky Steamboat and Ric Flair were the the they were enemies. Ric Flair was the bad guy. Ricky Steamboat was the good guy. And back before they were willing to admit that it was fake, um, they they put on quite a theater and quite a show. And one day, my dad uh, goes up to Charlotte to a to a Charlotte Hornets basketball game, only to see Ricky Steamboat and Ric Flair sitting together as best friends at the uh, at the basketball game. That's what politics has become. What I'm hoping to do with this show, and, and I'm going to need as many of you guys to share it with other people as possible to uh, to to. To make a change, we want to start bringing attention to to people who are actually changing the world, and it's not changing the world all, all over the place. It's changing the place world in the areas that they can influence, and that's the local people. If you listen to last week's show with Katie Ersta, uh, known as One Fit Fighter, Katie Ersta is one of the most amazing people I have ever met in my entire life, and she makes me realize that no matter how tired, how how beat up I feel. I have no excuse for not getting up and doing the very best that I can each and every day because I don't have Hodgkin's lymphoma. Um, Michael Gowan, Tiffany Sweeley, uh, John O'Sullivan from Sullivan from Changing the Game Project. We have here in Wichita, Kansas, League 42 that's helping underprivileged kids get the opportunity to play baseball, and they're impacting those kids' lives more than ever through coaching baseball. 
And what I have found with Bob Lutz in League 42 is the people who are actually being changed are the people that are actually doing it and working with those individuals. Today's guest is no different. If you've seen my post on the on the show page, and again, I don't have the, the, the likes that they have. They have over 100,000. I have 250. But uh, we need to get that up. But if you've looked at proactive coaching, there's wisdom that comes each and every day from from my guests today that I I post and other folks as well. We had Rob Miller on a couple of times and what they are doing is fantastic. And and I think not only with helping out through sports, if you'll follow what they're talking about, it can help out in life as well. Um, Today's guest is Bruce Brown. And Bruce, are you the founder of proactive coaching? I guess you could call so, me that, yeah. Is that what I, I hear you call say it was your birthday, Mickey? <laughs> it is my birthday. It's 43 my wife's years old birthday. today. It's my wife's birthday uh, as well. <laughs> well, tell her I said happy birthday. Uh, um, happy birthday to you. And uh, and my wife asked me what I wanted for dinner tonight. You know, I, I said, you know, let's just cook some burgers on the grill. And, there you and go. All, at the new house, I'll be just <laughs> fine with that. That's good. But um, you have so many accolades on here, and, and I want to go through a couple of those, and, and and then I also want to get to the other uh, bio that that you sent that, that you can that's actually out on on the Mickey Ellison Show page. Oh no! But <laughs> <laughs> oh no! Those are actually the uh, the ones that impressed me the most. But uh, you know, when you in 2004 you received the Mike Shusevsky uh, Leadership Award. Um, Cal Ripken Jr., you guys were received an honor um, that year for, what was that, the American Baseball Coaches Association Honor Award. And there can be no greater as a coach than getting put on the wall of honor of John Wooden. I, the epitome of what I think is is, is a true coach. And, um, Bruce, thank you for agreeing to be on the show. Um, there There's so many things that, that we can talk about. And, and, you know, first of all, what – What's your background for folks that don't know who you are and why proactive coaching? I'm a father, a husband, and a teacher. Uh, and I, all, all coaching is is teaching. And all uh, athletics is, is just like gifted physical education, actually. So uh, I was a teacher and a coach for 33 years. Uh, and I think everything I speak about all came from experience and and they're trying to grow and trying to grow quickly and and uh i just i had great young men that i worked with and great young ladies that i worked with and i i probably learned much more from them than they learned from me so yeah absolutely i can i can vouch for that in the eight years that i've i've spent um coaching you know it starts out i think most dads wind up in, in this position coaching their kids in sports and and um we volunteer we do it because we love the sport but it after eight years with these guys, I love these kids as if they're my own. <laughs> and and watching watching them grow not only in 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 their athletic ability on on the baseball field, but watching them actually grow up into in, into good solid young men. Because what you talk often on proactive coaching uh, about intentional coaching. Now we we didn't know it was intentional coaching, but we decided about five years ago to change the name of our team to, to the Kings, which stands for Kids in God's Service, thinking that there's got to be more than just baseball. Because, frankly, I love my baseball experience, but the lessons that I learned from playing college baseball, and most of them actually came before college baseball. They're Little League baseball and high school baseball. Um, college was just the the uh, the reward for years and years of hard work and going three for four on the right day when Coach Roy Mebron was at a baseball game in, in Alabama. 
But uh, is that is tell us a little bit more about um, about intentional coaching. What what is it that you guys mean by intentional coaching? That everything's thought through. That everything's deliberate. Uh, you know, your choice is accident or design, and and design wins. And design uh, doing things by design uh, is intentional. And you see the best leaders in any in any business or any sport team or any any classroom. Uh, they're intentional about what they do, and it's it's some it's a process that they follow that has been extremely well thought through. You know, one of the one of our main focuses, one of our foundational things, is is that one athlete of character improves your team, and one team of character impacts your school. One school of character changes your community, and a, and and that just whole ripple effect of and 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 one coach's significance, one intentional coach's significance impacts generations of kids. So. It's it's that ripple effect of 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 what we do is uh, is far more important in the long run than what we're doing on a daily basis. But the intentionality of the daily um, uh, the daily process is what allows that ripple effect to happen. Yeah, I, I don't know if coaches really really realize this that, uh, and, and many times they don't get the credit or or um, they don't know that they had these impacts on us. You know, I had a little league coach, Terry Smith, who coached me for up until I played high school baseball. And this, you know, this is not discounting my, my dad and, and my grandfather who had the greatest influence. Actually, um, the, the work ethic that I wound up with to get me to the college level came from both those guys. But the impact that those people had on I had a high school coach, Roger Finley, who, um, you know, it, you, you know in, in coaching that part of being a coach is being a little bit of a um, psychologist without a psychology degree. Correct. And, and, and Coach Finley knew exactly how to press the right button to get me to work harder. And it wasn't, it wasn't always, um, hey, we know you can do it. It was sometimes, dude, that, you're better than that. You, <laughs> how, why, why didn't you block that ball behind the plate? Yeah. And he just knew what buttons to push. But you know what? I love the man. I love him to this day, um, and and hopefully he gets to hear this. But he is he is part of the reason that 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 I made it to to college baseball. And again, some of it just being luck of going three for four on the right day. But um, yeah, uh, what you know, Mickey, what, I, was, I was writing a book one time, and and I had the I had that in my mind what I was trying to um, accomplish with this book and where I wanted to go. So I was. I was, I was hoping that I could write this book and and uh, have people credit their success to being part of a team mm-hmm. and 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 what they learned from being part of a team. So I was going out, I was interviewing all these very successful business people and people in all kinds of different professions, and I was asking them questions: What happened along the way that allowed you to become that successful? You know, and hoping that they would get back to a, to a, some kind of an athletic team. But it was amazing because almost every single one of them started their answer by saying, well, there was this teacher, or well, there was this coach. And it came down to the impact that one person had on them. Uh-huh. And so I totally switched what I was writing on, you know, and it was, okay, what was it about that person? You know, they saw more in me than I saw in myself. Uh, uh, you know, they're able to push my buttons just like, exactly like you're talking about your coach. So there, you know, we've identified five or six things that, that, that were kind of separated those people. And, but it came down for so many successful adults to go back into their adolescent years or maybe even earlier and identify that one other adult outside their family. 
Yeah, and and you know, I mine mine will go back a little bit to to my family as well, but because uh, because my grandfather was the the toughest man that that I have ever met, and I still to this day when I'm helping call call pitches, because um, we're teaching the kids how to call pitches at 14 years old, um, and I have this vision of my grandfather looking at me, Bruce, and go, Mickey, you know what the greatest pitch in baseball is? A high and tight fastball. <laughs> And if you ever play against our team, and I got a kid with a good fastball, we're all, and he throws it at the location that I wanted to go, there's a very good chance that a high and tight fastball is coming your way, O2. <laughs> you now, know, if the, they the, can't get it there, if they can't get it there, Bruce, uh, we might go breaking the ball away. Uh, that's right. Well, you know, um, the, the, in your family is, is critical. I, I think something I learned uh, along the way as a teacher and as a coach is one of the things I try to do is instill confidence in the young people that I worked with and, and sincere confidence, true confidence, not false confidence. But I, I, I think I, I figured out, and this is just my own personal beliefs, what allows kids to, to become confident adults, what allows kids to walk through life with their chin up. Uh, and, and I honestly think it comes down to that everyone that I ever worked with had at least one person inside their family who loved them unconditionally. And the other, the other thing, the other factor was they had at least one person outside their family who believed in them. And it was the combination of those two things that allowed them to, you know, you know like I said, walk through life confidently. And, and, and for an awful lot of us, and the person outside your family may have been saying the exact same thing your family's been saying. But as a kid, you're thinking, well, my mom's got to say that because she's my mom. But as soon as that other adult says it, it's like, whoa, that's magic. And maybe my mom was telling me the truth. And, so, <laughs> yeah. and, and, and when I say that to adults, and I'll say, go back into your adolescent years and identify the person inside your family, it, it's really easy. And I'll say, I bet it's equally easy for you to go out and identify the person who is outside your family, person or people who are outside your family who believed in you and maybe you didn't even believe in yourself or who, who loved you the, the same way. And, and everyone go back and, and, and visualize that, that person. And for an awful lot of us, it's, it's a coach. Absolutely. Folks, we're coming up on a break. Don't miss the rest of the show with Bruce Brown from Proactive Coaching and follow and like Proactive Coaching. And at the same time, when you're doing like Proactive Coaching on Facebook, like the Mickey Ellison Show page. So I get to 251 instead of 100 (laughs) because I'm not at 103,000. We'll be back from this break in a minute. future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. 
Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned to The Mickey Ellison Show. To connect with the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or you can drop Mickey an email to mickey at mickeyellison.com. Like our show on Facebook. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the Mickey Ellison Show. And this is the place where we're going to start, and we have started, um, showing you people who are making a difference and changing the world and in their area of expertise, in their local communities. We're going to continue to do that. Katie Erster, One Fit Fighter. If you missed that show last week, go back to MickeyEllison.com and listen to her. If you cannot be motivated and, and driven by that that young lady, I don't I don't think it is possible. Michael Gowan, we've got shows back there with him. John O'Sullivan from Changing the Game Project. Like them on Facebook and follow them as well. Uh, League 42 here in Wichita, and today's guest is Bruce Brown from Proactive Coaching, and uh, probably my favorite, it's one of the few places where I actually continue to share almost every post that you put out there, Bruce, because I, being in coaching, it, it's one of those things where today there's such an emphasis on um, uh, on either winning or making sure we don't hurt the kids' feelings, and, and the the We've gone so far on each side that we forget that the actual kids and and the lessons that can be learned from sports are what we're missing out on. You you talk a, a lot about on your on your site about um, uh, descriptions of what to look at in players and what you can see in behaviors early in life. Let's talk about a few of those things. Okay. So well, you start. You know, uh, it's it's very interesting because uh, I was given that presentation called Life Lessons Athletes and the DVD on it is called Redefining the Term Athlete. And what I learned early on as a coach is, is uh, I could not assume that kids were going to come into my program with all the attributes that you would like to have them in place. And so the, intentionally incorporating um, lessons of character into your daily into your daily plans, into your daily talks, into, into reinforcing, you know, that kind of a thing. So we, um, we started taking time to clearly define things that we're going to allow kids to be not only better teammates, but better people. And what I learned was when you're, when I was coaching girls, you could kind of just tell them the good side of the character trait. But when I was coaching boys, you almost had to go, this is what, this is what, you know, this is the correct way to do it. And this is the wrong way to do it. This is right. This is, this is a, a character trait of a great teammate and a, and, a, and, a, and a real athlete. And this is somebody who I'd call a non-athlete. And when I say non-athlete, I don't mean somebody doesn't play. I mean somebody doesn't get it. Okay. Uh-huh. And, and so you almost had to go, there's a very clear dividing line between these two descriptions of any of these character traits. And, um, and, and you're not going to straddle them. You're not, there's no gray area. You're going to be clearly there or clearly there. And so, if, you know, less the first time you let it roll through your head, ask yourself where you think you stand. Second time, 
ask yourself where your teammates have put you and where your coaches have put you because the truth is they, they have a better view than you do. And so kind of being very direct with kids, and we, and we talk about um, being, having a teachable spirit. We talk about the, the right kind of pride. We talk about discipline, talk about integrity, talk about mental toughness, talk about selflessness, talk about accountability, and, and try to define those things in a way that are athlete own behaviors, but also age appropriate. Okay, so it's it's and you know it applies whether you're coaching somebody who's you know seven or eight or whether you're coaching somebody who's 28. Uh, I mean, we've done the same thing with little league programs as we have with NFL programs. Um, you know, next week we're going back to the Philadelphia Eagles and 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 working with some behavioral stuff and body language and that kind of stuff. Uh, and, and so it applies everywhere else. And so. Those things, and somebody asked me one time, I think I was speaking in Nashville, they came up to me afterwards and they said, why did you, why did you teach that stuff? Why did you take the time to actually teach that stuff to your athletes? And how old were you when you started? And I said, I was really pretty young. I had a great mentor coach who suggested I get more clear in my behavioral expectations. And with the whole idea, the clearer, you can, the clearer your standards are, the better chance kids have to rise to them. Okay, so that's one of our basic principles. The clearer you can make your behavioral expectations, the better athletes have a chance to rise to them. So he was asking me, and I said, you know, I actually started laughing because, um, uh, you know, why do you, why do you teach discipline? Why do you take the time to define what discipline is? And, and define what define what it is too. Okay, well, I, I can give you any of those that you, that we talked about, but basically okay. what I said was this. <laughs> I was laughing because I said the truth is, when I was 24 years old, I I taught that stuff because I wanted my guys to beat your guys, and I want my guys <laughs> to beat your guys every time we tee it up. Okay, <laughs> and, and 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 you know what? If you got two teams in the same playing field and one's undisciplined and one's disciplined, it's one's mentally tough and one's mentally weak. If one has a teachable spirit and one doesn't, is one is selfish and one is selfless. Mm-hmm. I, I know where I'm putting my money. And so uh-huh. I, I, it made me laugh because I said, you know, when I was young, that's why I did it. But as I got older, what I realized was I was hopefully preparing kids that clear path to carry on into their life and to be better husbands and fathers and workers and moms. And, yeah, that, that's, that's why it was done. Yeah, I think you just described the uh, San Antonio Spurs a minute ago. Yep. And you know what? And, and, and I got to be careful whenever I do that presentation because when, usually when I walk in, when, when we walk in as a, as a speaking team, we'll say we can give this presentation very soft and encouraging. We can give this presentation very direct and challenging. Uh, what, what do your kids need? And, and most coaches say we really challenge our kids. And, and sometimes that comes from people who have really done a great job working with their kids and their kids are ready for to up the ante a little bit and be challenged. Sometimes we have people coming in basically saying, would you come in and solve our problems? And, 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 and when I sense that, I'll say, you know what, I can challenge your kids, but you're never trying to break a kid's spirit. Mm-hmm. You're simply trying to take their spirit where it exists and raise it to a new level. Okay? So, yeah, take, them to a, take them to a place that they didn't even know they could go. Exactly. Exactly. So that's, that's why. And the other reason is, um, you know, we intentionally incorporated character lessons into our daily plans, into our overall plan, into our team culture, all that kind of stuff. And, and I had a principal ask me one time when I was pretty young. He said, uh, Bruce, he said, how do you teach a value? He said, I see you teaching values. Actually, yeah, the first principal that said that to me he said, be careful, Bruce. You're right on the edge, man. You're teaching values. And I thought, <laughs> what? And he goes, yeah, you be careful. You're right on the edge there. I mean, you're kind of, you know, and, and, I, and I thought about it. 
and, and at first I, I, it kind of hurt, and then I, I thought about it overnight, and I thought, you know what? It just made me double my efforts. Uh-huh. If you're doing something of significance, the consequences are irrelevant. And there's nothing that I was going to do more important in those kids' lives than incorporate character into it. But this, this other principle said, how do you teach a value? And I thought, whoa, how do you teach a value? <laughs> and I said, <laughs> I was trained as a physical educator, so I understand the rules of motor learning, how you teach a physical skill. Uh-huh. Okay? And, and the way you teach a physical skill is define it, model it, shape it, and reinforce it. So if you're teaching a young kid to slide into second base who's never seen a baseball game before, how'd you do it? You define what a slide is, why it even exists. Mm-hmm. Okay? You, you'd model it, show it done correctly so they can see it done correctly the first time. You would shape it, which means you mold the behavior through repetitions of, you know, do better this or, or change this a little bit. And then you reinforce anything comes closer to where you want them to go. And I said, that's the only way I understand how to teach anything. But you know what? You can teach courage that way. Uh-huh. And you can teach accountability. You, accountability. you can teach selflessness. You define it. You model it. You shape it. You reinforce it. And so really the life lessons presentation, the redefining the term athlete presentation, is the defining phase of that sequence. Now, is that something people can get a hold of? Is, that, is it available on your website and it, to, to get that presentation? Or do they have to show up to one of your events? Uh, either way, we have we have it on most of our presentations on DVD uh, on our website, and all all of our written materials, our booklets and books and that kind of stuff are all available there. And they're all, you know, Mickey, they're all application based, um, and and they're they're for coaches, for parents, for athletes, for team leaders are our main focus. Although we do do we're we're starting to branch out, not because we market it this way, but toward businesses who who said, you know what, the same things apply, but. Th- they're application-based because coaches are application people. You can't go in and talk non-technical things to coaches for very long unless they can apply it. I mean, uh-huh. coach, coaches are maybe the biggest skeptics in the world when it comes to an audience. <laughs> okay, and I love that. But, but the truth is, you've got to walk in, and if you're not going to talk about the technical parts of the game, they've got to be able to say, oh, I can take what he's saying, and I can use it today with that kid. I can take that right. back to practice today, and I can incorporate that into our practice plan. So everything has to have application, and that I think that's one of our hopefully that one of our strengths. Yeah, and and it it is important. You talk about breaking the spirit. We we had a couple of new kids actually show up on on our baseball team this year just because of attrition, um, probably mistakes that I have made that uh, that I. I, I could go back as far as coaching some of the kids when they were younger, but we, we had a kid named Chance that came on onto our team this past year. Um, probably the most gifted athletic kid that I have ever run across, but for some reason, it looked as if he, he'd been beaten down, Bruce. I mean, he, it was a kid that, you know, he would, he would just easily give up on something and and i had a, a actually you know he would have those outbursts out there on the field every once in a while that that you know they're, they're embarrassing but I, I finally took a step back and said what does this kid need mm-hmm. and this kid actually needed someone to say you know what you know that that behavior is unacceptable but i believe in you i can yeah. we had a specific situation up in the state tournament a couple weeks ago where i had put put him in the pitch he had not had any of the outbreaks for for quite a while and he made a boneheaded play. He, he, we brought him in. He's our closer. He throws for a 14-year-old kid. He throws hard, and he, he can be extremely competitive, which is who you want closing, right? Mm-hmm. So we, uh, he, he made a boneheaded play, and I walked out to the man. I could see he was rattled, and I didn't go out to give him any instruction on, on 
pitching or whatsoever. I just had to go out there and, and talk to him. His first response to me was, Coach, take me out. I can't do this. And I just looked at him and I said, Chance, there is nobody on this field that I want pitching right now other than you. Out of way. And I believe in you. Every one of these other guys believe in you. Now it's time for you to start believing in you because all the ability is there. And you know what? If you give up a hit and we wind up losing this game, so be it. I'm still in your corner. I will still put you back in that same situation because I think you're the right person at that spot. Well, you know, coaching is not a profession of perfection. Mm -hmm. And and we're talking about one of our topics, one of our presentations is called The Power of Your Words. And and it's a... is for the target audiences, mainly coaches, but we've done it for teachers and parents as well. But, and one of the things we say is that anybody who's coached for more than a month, you get in your car and you say, I wish I hadn't done that. I wish I hadn't said that. I, I, need to, I wish I could rewind the tape. I need to go back and make that right tomorrow. All, that, that's, that just comes to the territory. And we want to, as we get older and more mature, we want to have that happen less and less. But the flip side of that power of your words is to have a parent walk up to you and say, you know what, I've said that, said that to my kid for 18 years you said it one time and he did it <laughs> what is that okay and you know what it is it's that word on the front of your name it's coach yeah. and yeah. and you almost have immediate believability almost immediate credibility and until you disprove yourself that's there but you know when you are dealing with kids and you're dealing with directly especially with behavioral changes coaches i've learned this as i've gone on further on maybe the most important thing that has to happen first is to develop trust. Once yeah, trust is developed, you can be very direct with kids and they know you love them and they know they care and they know that they're doing it for them. If you try to be real direct with a kid prior to trust being developed, you know, there may be a wall of resistance that goes up and they, you, know, you may get stiff-armed or, or they may see it as totally different than what it was intended to be. Well, let's talk about trust and i want to talk about the words when we get back from the from this break um bruce brown with proactive coaching is with us if you want to learn more about proactive coaching uh go to their website um it's there's a link on my website at mickeyellison.com you just click on it and you'll go right there and you can also like them on facebook and and i think you'll really enjoy it we'll be back from this break in just a second Talk, talk, talk. That's all we do is talk. If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. 
making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. tuned to the mickey ellison show to connect with the show today please call 1-866-472-5788 that's 1-866-472-5788 or you can drop mickey an email to mickey at mickeyellison.com like our show on facebook now back to the show welcome back to the mickey ellison show we're going to jump right in this time with bruce bruce brown because we only have him for a a few more minutes uh today and um you know Actually, I think they should record us, Bruce, off air because I think we did a great radio segment while we were waiting on them to come back from a commercial. <laughs> but uh, hey, seriously, we went when we went to the break. We we were you were talking about the power of words, and um, I I am a, a born again believer in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and and the Book of James talks about um, the uh, the power of words, and it, it talks about how you can have this huge huge ship, and the small rudder will that is the tongue will direct that ship and oftentimes as coaches and you you know this you're you're probably more competitive than i am we get caught up in those moments and we wind up saying something to a kid and i'm much better at it today than i was you know six or seven years ago but those words no matter how many times you go back and apologize uh for saying something to someone those words will always leave a scar. So that's when we have to be so careful in how, how we approach, especially kids. I, I, I know people who have had teachers or coaches that have had told, had told them things in, in the past that they scar them to this day. And, and they still – I have a very close person of mine, and I won't mention her name because she'll fuss at me for doing it. But um, she still has issues with confidence in, in speaking because – of what a, a teacher told her years ago. And uh, can you expand on that? Because you, you guys have that presentation, the power of your words, and, 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 and talk more about how we need to be very, very um, cognizant of what we're saying. Absolutely. You know, it's, it's your words stay in your kids' lives forever. And uh, they can be words for good or words for evil. And so we need to be really careful when we're talking with coaches, especially that we work in a public emotional situation where, with kids where they're keeping score. And, and we need to become experts with the use of words in that situation. Uh, so, you know, just little phrases. We talk about breathe before you talk. You know, think things through. It's, again, it's intentional. Detonate your explosives in an unpopulated area. You know, you, can't, you cannot bring back a spoken word. Uh, just a real quick story, Mickey. Uh, uh, I had three former players who uh, a few years ago called me up and said, uh, Coach, we want to take you on a, on a golf trip. And so we ended up going down and playing Edgewood at Tahoe for three days. And oh, well, that was nice. It was, it was nice. wonderful. Yeah, it was wonderful. We played 18 on Friday, 36 on Saturday, and 18 on Sunday, and came back, 
it was, it was wonderful. And I'd, I hadn't been around these kids for over 20. I mean, they had stayed in my life, but there was about, I hadn't coached them for 26 years. And so we changed partners every six holes. We're, I'm walking down the fairway with this attorney from Seattle who's a former player of mine. I, I love him. And, and out of the blue, he goes, he goes, Coach, he said, do you remember what you said at halftime, that telecom game? And I thought, what? <laughs> I said, Todd, I said, that was 26 years ago. And I said, I don't even remember, I not only not remember what I said, I don't even remember telecom. How can I remember what I said? This kid went back and he went word for word what I had said 26 years earlier. For him, it was a very positive, life-changing experience. But you know what it did to me, Mickey? It scared me to death. It scared me yeah. to death. I thought, I, I'm sitting there thinking, how many stupid things have I said that are stuck in some kid's head? How many oh, times have I said something in a moment of emotion that served me and not the kid? How, how many kids are walking around with something stuck in their head thinking, I can't do that because of a way that I, you know, that I said something? How, how many times did I say something that I thought was funny that was sarcastic? It made me really, really get back and start examining how I use my words in every single situation, but especially when it's emotional. Yeah, we... we uh I had a bad experience where we lost a kid, probably a kid that uh, um, I, he still has positive experience with when I when I talk to him and, and just I, I mean I love the kid with all my heart, but we lost him on the team because I in a moment of emotion and trying to get kids back to a ballpark, I probably said some things to his mother that I should not have, and and to, it haunts me to this day because I loved coaching this kid, and um, but on the positive side. You know, I talked about um, some of the kids that, that didn't come back this year because for whatever reason, they decided they didn't like baseball. But the greatest compliment I have ever gotten um, from one of the kids is that we were, we were practicing. We actually practiced at a local high school here with our, our 14-year-old team. And one of the kids that decided not to play baseball this, this year shows up at practice and says, Coach, I just want to see you. <laughs> and, and, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things that, that – we do care about those kids. We want them to have this this positive experience. But it's easy to get caught up in this crazy world of, of academy teams and, and spending thousands upon thousands of dollars for your kid to, to strive to get this, this goal of a, of a scholarship. And I don't know how to break it to parents, Bruce. I didn't wind up with a baseball scholarship because that was my goal. And I'm not saying kids can't do this, but it was not my goal at the age of six when I started playing baseball. Right. I played baseball because I loved it. And I loved it because of the people and the coaches that were around the game when I first started. And it didn't cost thousands of dollars for us to be able to play. It, it, in fact, I remember it being $13 for us to play baseball. And um, yeah, we're, we're missing out on these opportunities because all these parents trying to do what's right for their kids will constantly have their kids change teams just because of a name that's on, on that team or or this is this is going to get your kid the sco college scholarship do we ever stop i actually had a kid you maybe you'll appreciate this had a, a kid's dad that um the kid played with us a couple times when we would need someone to fill in and um I had always wanted to have the kid on the on the team, and his dad and I, he liked the concept of what we were doing with kids in God's service. And one day, he asked me, he says, Mickey, he says, uh, um, I really want um, Andrew to play on your team. And he says, I, I, I'm trying to push him that way. I said, finally looked at him and said, Mark, have you ever asked Andrew what he wants to do? Uh, yep. 
Because the ultimate goal, I don't care if Andrew plays with my team or another team. I want him to walk away from the game of baseball having loved every as many of the experiences as possible. And that's what we're there for. We're there for the kids. Exactly. It's not for us. It's not for us. Now, there's plenty of folks out there that, that can get easily caught up in trying to win a championship. And it does become about them, even though they may not even recognize that. Yep. And, you know, it's, it's a difference between seeing little picture and big picture. The little picture is, this is a catastrophe. My kid struck out with the bases loaded. The big picture is, my kid's going to learn how to recover from a tough situation. I mean, and, and, and the same thing's true. Every time you look at something, you can look big picture or little picture. You can look long-term or short-term. And where is your focus? You know, Mickey, I don't know how much time we have in this segment, but there's, there's something that you said that triggered um, what we, what we, one of the things we talk about is, is stages that, that athletes go through and stages that coaches go through and how those blend. And, um, you know, for the athlete, I, I can do this one pretty quickly. The athlete, no, the you first got time. You got okay, you're ready? Yep. Okay, the first stage of being an athlete is the joy stage. I just love playing. I, I can't wait for practice. I wish it wouldn't end. I, I'm going to go home and play catch with my mom or dad or shoot baskets. Okay. I, I, maybe it's just I love the snacks, but it's joy. I, I love <laughs> this game. Then comes the technical stage. Somebody older than me is teaching me new things and challenging me to get better. We lose a few kids at that stage when coaches make the game too complex, or some kids just don't want to be taught. You know, they're, they're just st- stiff arm that. Then comes the competitive stage the scores start to matter. And they don't just matter to me, they matter to all these adults around me. You know, and, uh, and, and, I'm, and, and my playing time is determined by my performance. That, that wow. should be about 12, 13 is when that happens. You know, and it isn't just my performance against the opponents, it's my performance against my buddies in practice. And uh-huh. that determines how much I play. And we lose a ton of kids at that, at that juncture because of, number one, pressure, pre- mm-hmm. outside pressure, uh, kids, that, kids that don't want to be measured against other people, uh, kids, kids that aren't good enough to compete. Okay, so and then comes the last stage of being a, a, an athlete is a mastery stage is playing beyond high school. Very few kids get there. But here's what's happening in our in our country, Mickey. And you just look at this. I mean, something you said, you said it hit it right on the head. The competitive stage and the technical stage is getting shoved down to a younger and younger age. Oh, absolutely. Where the joy stage lasts about a week. Uh huh. Okay, and and and. You know, you've got kindergarten basketball where they're keeping score and putting individual stats and scores in the paper. I mean, you know, it's, you got to be kidding me. And, but here's what great coaches do, Mickey. They take that joy stage and they pull it right through each of the other stages. They pull it right through the technical stage. It's, it's fun to challenge myself. It's fun to learn new skills and new strategies and new concepts. This is, this is a fun thing to be challenged because of the way the person's teaching it. Competitive stage. It's fun to challenge myself and see it, measure myself against my own potential. It's fun to get out here and see what I can do at the highest level of competition for me. It's, it, I can compete fearlessly through these things. Even, even the mastery stage, the college coaches and the, and the pro coaches we work with that are the most successful have a way to pull the joy right through those teams. Pete Carroll does it, it with the Hawks. Uh-huh. Okay? So, so the, you know, that's what great coaches do. Um, and, and the coaching stages is even more interesting because – We've all been in most of them, so. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you, you you're right. That or not. It's, it's, that, it's that joy stage, and I actually learned after spending some time with John O'Sullivan from Changing the Game Project. I have learned a lot watching my eight-year-old son. My eight-year-old son, and I'm and I'm probably like every other dad, but this kid can play. But I also realize he's eight. 
Right. And I, I one thing that hit me earlier this year, my 13 year old boy, we were one one day. I said, "Hey, Jordan, let's uh, Jordan's the name of my older kid." I said, "Jordan, let's let's go over and uh, take some swings in the cage." And I looked over at Jackson, who was my younger kid. I said, "Jackson, you want to go?" Now you got to understand, he had never said no at any point in time when I asked him to go do this. And for the first time, he says, "Nah." He says, "I think I'll stay. I'll stay around here and I'm gonna play with my friends." And um, I thought. Then it dawned on me because of people like you and people like John O'Sullivan, what eight-year-old wants to go spend two hours swinging bats in a cage? That's right. If I'd have asked him if he wanted to go in the backyard and play wiffle ball, he'd have been all over that. Yep. Because it was learning the joy of that game. And maybe I was just fortunate because I had good people that – I don't know if it was intentional or not. But you know the great – players wind up getting to a point where man i look forward to practice i want to practice more i actually probably like practice more than the game yep. because i was going to get to try some stuff in the game good heavens if i was playing third base i might not even get a ball hit to me the whole time okay and i, I, have, I, I, I don't wanted know. to share something with you on that that was interesting uh you you mentioned in the introduction cal ripkin and, and we actually got kind of sequestered when we we're receiving this award hey, hey bruce can, can yeah. you hold that one until yeah, we get absolutely. back from this break because i want to hear that story when yeah. we get back we'll be back with you guys in a second talk 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 that's all we do is talk yeah! If you'd like to talk, call us toll-free right now at 1-866-472-5787. 1-866-472-5787. That's it. That's it. VoiceAmerica.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network wherever you go. In addition to listening live, you can check out information about your favorite talk show hosts, discover new talk show personalities, add shows to your list of favorites, and listen to all our show archives on demand. All from your iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market, and get ready to tune in. The Voice America mobile app, powered by Aircast. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. You are tuned to The Mickey Ellison Show. To connect with the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or you can drop Mickey an email to Mickey at MickeyEllison.com. Like our show on Facebook. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to the final segment of the Mickey Ellison Show. That is always too short. I can't believe, Bruce, when I first started doing – I did a radio show for about 10 years out here. It was, a, it was nothing more than a, uh, a – what would we call it? A glorified infomercial for financial planning. <laughs> but uh, – 
I, I remember the first show we did, we had talked about everything that we wanted to talk about in 12 minutes, and now I can't get it done in an hour. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, it, it, hey, it, before it, we, it, It's when you're talking about something you have a passion about. That's all it yeah, is. And, and, and that's what I actually even found out in, in the financial planning industry. This is an industry that is, you know, is driven by getting assets under management. And I thought, well, what about the people we're serving? Because that, that's ultimately what should be driving us. And if we do that right, we'll make money. And if we don't make money, I serve a God that says He's going to provide all all that I need anyway. And so far, so good. Yeah. I mean, I, I, uh, uh, but let's go back to you. You had mentioned something about the the Cal Ripken. We're talking about the joy of the game, and you started to tell a story right before we went to the break. Well, you know, we were um, as as you and your profession is very similar to ours. Is when we go around and we're speaking at all these different places, you meet a lot of quote unquote famous people. Some are real, some are not. Uh, and uh, he's real. He, he is absolutely positively real. I mean, just grounded. Uh, there's no hidden any. I mean, he's just he's he's great. It's almost like talking to like a little brother for me. So anyway, we we spent some time together before this awards thing we did in Nashville, and we were talking about all kinds of stuff. And and one of them we we're talking about is the car ride home with you, and, and and you know that that's a lot of time the worst memory for kids. Oh, he said, oh yeah. He, he oh, said yeah. I love the yep. car ride home with my dad. He said, I love that. I love that time. And I said, why? He said, he said, first of all, I knew how much my dad knew about baseball. He's a major league manager. He said, I sure. knew how much my dad knew about baseball. And I wanted to know as much as I possibly could because I really wanted to be good. But he said, I think I love that time because my dad never talked to me about baseball unless I asked him. And if I asked him, he didn't overwhelm me. He simply gave me enough that I wanted more. He said he had just a magic touch on being able to stop, but he said now he transferred to his own kid, and he said how much how how you, how sports have gone from peer control in in my lifetime from peer control uh-huh. to adult control, and he uh-huh. said now I've got this, and you said this in the previous thing. Now he said now I've got this young man, and at that time this kid was fourteen or something like that, and he said you know everything everything growing up for him in baseball has been stats have been kept and you know everything is very formal he said he's never learned how to switch it he said when i grew up he said you know he, he says he's never got thrown out trying to stretch a single into a double cuz he you know they're kind of were hesitant to make a mistake he said that's, sure. he said that's what we've lost we've lost that we've lost that you know let's figure out how to do this by just kind of playing through it and and, and instead of being controlled all the time by other adults uh-huh. Well, and don't you see that as a problem in actually society in general that that we've we all are trying to do exactly like we're supposed to, like like the we're we're thought of to do, how other people should think we should do. When you know, round and first, and I see that kid bobble the ball in in, in love field. There's nothing greater than stretching that thing into a double, and if you're willing to try to stretch that thing into a double, every once in a while you're gonna get thrown out. Yep, yep, and, and I, I have. Yeah, one of the things we talk about in our presentation to parents, and that this that presentation, the information in that one all came from my athletes for 30 years, me interviewing athletes, and not not what their parents needed to do, but I was trying to become a better coach. So I was asking a bunch of questions about how I could become a better coach, and when they answered that, you know, how we could improve their performance and improve their memories, uh, it, it really hit me as a coach, but it hit me more as a dad. But there was there was so that's where the whole presentation came from, but. One of the things that you find along the way was my kids were the most successful, and I went back and interviewed them. What allowed you to become so successful? One of the things they said is they had parents who at a very early age released them to the game, mm-hmm. released them to the coach, released them to the team, released them to the experience. And 
And they said really what that did is that they put their athletic destiny into their hands. Now, you've got to be careful. Before you release your young son or daughter to some coach, you better make sure they're safe, that they're safe right, emotionally, right. safe physically. Right. And I don't mean not starting. I mean not safe. And, but once you know they're safe, releasing them basically is like taking a huge it, – it, it, it allows the kid to own their own experience. And, yeah, and I don't know. Go yeah. ahead. Well, no, I was just, we go through a bunch of red flags that would indicate that you haven't released them, and the parents just laugh and poke each other in the ribs with their elbows. It's hilarious. So, well, you talk about red flags and all this stuff. Is, is, are these things in writing where people can actually get a hold of them, or they can get them through an e-book or, or anything of that nature? Yes, we've got, I think, 17 different booklets, with their, which are basically somewhere between 15 and 40 pages, and then we've got, uh, we've written... I think nine different books and then DVDs and all the different presentations. So, well, yeah. how about how about you let me take one of those uh, every every now and then on the Facebook page and, and highlight that so that we can get some people buying those books because that that is uh, uh, there there's so much knowledge and I, I think from what I see on your post on on uh, Facebook that a lot of time you're just taking stuff from those books, aren't you? Exactly. Yeah, we're just taking little phrases from presentations or the booklets, just just uh, a variety of different topics. Well, we have three minutes. Let's, and I've left I've left too much time for this one. But you talked about trust. I think everything that we have discussed leads to that trust issue, does mm-hmm. it not? Right. And, and go ahead and talk about trust. I think I and, and again with a three minute version of this, I, I think what I learned <laughs> is, um, and I and I interviewed thousands of athletes. Have, have you ever had a coach that you trusted? If so, why? What difference did that trust make in your performance? Have you ever had a coach that you distrusted? If so, why? And what difference did the distrust make in your performance? That's the basis of the material, and it's in a, it's in a book. It might be the most important thing I've written called The Impact of Trust. Anyway, it came down to um, adolescents can trust a coach, or in, this, in this case, or an adult, but a coach in this case. Number one, three things. Number one is that they, um, that they know what they're doing. You have ability. Your credibility is, comes from ability, that you know how to coach, that you know how to coach the game and the kids. Competitive people won't follow mediocre for long. You better know what you're doing. And there's a whole section in there on developing a coaching style that works, da 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 a coaching style that creates fearless play, which we can talk about some of the time because that's huge. And it comes down to how you deal with kids' mistakes. The second thing that allows you to be trusted is that you personally care. You, you can know all you want about the game, but if you don't care about your kids, if you don't love your kids, man, you better win every game and it still may not be enough. Okay, uh-huh. and the third reason you can be trusted is the one that takes the longest, and that's personal character. Eventually, your your private life and your public life is going to emerge, and and we've seen that with celebrities who we have this you know picture of that we think they're these great people, and then all of a sudden their private life emerges, and you think, whoa, and and so. You know, your integrity, your yes means yes, your no means no, your handshake seals the deal, your word is good, your signature has value, you are who you say you are, and you're that way regardless of where you are. And well, I think, uh, go ahead. No, that's just, those, those three things, and, and that's just really a nutshell version of those three things, but, but in the booklet we describe what those exactly look like in application form for adults so they can be trusted. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of that goes back to the lie that we've been told for all of our for forever that perception is is reality. Everyone wants to sort of fake it till you make it. And, and yeah, you know, I'm not saying that you don't want you don't want to try to look a part or whatever, but you got to be the part. You can't just look it. I I've told so many folks because I, I lost a, over a sixty pounds thirteen years ago because I got out of shape, and part of 
the, the, the sports is what got me to, you know, that experience and, and perseverance has got the weight off. But, um, you know, I just lost my train of thought. But the, the, there, that's the, the thing. We've got to learn how to, how to trust folks. And if I'm going to actually go out and hire a trainer to teach me how to look and how to feel and, 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 and get into better shape, they better look like what I want to look like to, to get there. Now, I understand if they're 75 years old that they may not look like that. But if you're 40 and I'm 43, I, don't, I want the person training me better than me. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, hey, we have one minute. What's, what do you want to throw out there before we end? Well, I, I think what we're trying to do is we're trying to develop coaches of significance. We're trying to develop fearless competitors, uh, great teammates. Uh, we're trying to develop parents and coaches who walk alongside and make that path easier for kids uh, that, that, that create uh, kids who are going to become adults of character. And I think athletics is one of the avenues. It isn't important that your kids play sports. It's only important that your kids has a passion. And, and, and it can be about music. They can learn these same exact things through drama or debate or choir. Or so, so, but athletics is one of the avenues that we can use to, to, to allow our kids to make that transition from ch- children to adolescents to adults in a way that is good for our nation. All righty. Hey, Bruce, thank you so much for being on the show. Please come back another time. I would love to have you for more time. Mickey, um, it's really, it's been a pleasure. All right. Thank you so much. And listen next week when Chad Nelms joins us. so much for joining us on the mickey ellison show mickey plans to be here again next wednesday morning at 8 a.m pacific time 11 a.m eastern time on the voice america variety channel we hope you'll be here too